Good morning. All right. Okay, um, as I prepared this message, last week I gave you a lot of chances to get the PG-13 rating. I'll go ahead and tell you, this one's on purity, and I should have known as I was preparing it weeks ago that I should have given you a PG-13 rating. <clears throat> this one probably is almost an R rating, Jimmy, so take advantage of child ministry uh, if you want to. Sorry for the late notice, but we're going to come out with both guns blazing today, okay? Uh, so there you go. That happens. Um, but here's the deal. We're going to talk about purity today. And the, the tweet, if you will, the Facebook status is making purity a priority. Make purity a priority in our marriage. And if that's what you, your mantra, you need to write that in, in a dry erase marker on your mirror in the morning. Whatever you need to do, do it. Make purity a priority in your life. It doesn't even have to be all you single people. Like, oh, good. This is marriage. I don't have to worry about this. Right? No, make purity a priority in all of your life. This has to happen. It needs to happen. And um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, the strength of purity in our life is something uh, that can transform, revolutionize the rest of our life and how it is orchestrated. We've been talking about a few things here in this marriage series from this day forward that can really help and change the way in which you look at your relationships uh, your marriage relationships, your dating relationships, all these relationships. I think uh, especially the fight fair one can change every single one of your relationships uh, drastically. We've talked about how to seek God first in our relationships. And what does that look like? That means a spouse or a person cannot complete you. They can only complement you. They don't complete you. They complement you. And we get that confused, especially coming out of uh, student ministry and you get you know, 17-year-old girls and guys, oh, they complete me. You know, they get all that stuff. But guess what, guys? 50-year-olds are the same exact way. <laughs> you think you're more mature. You're not. You just have a little less hormonal stuff going on. Little. <clears throat> I'm going to let that sink in because that's true. And uh, we just, we, we, we get that confused. And when we get that confused, we mess everything up. Oh, they, they're completing me. No, they're not completing you. That is God's job. It's the job of your spouse or that person to compliment you, not to complete you. All right, I already preached that message. I don't have to do it again. Sorry. Number two is to fight fair. And if you did not pick up, uh, you weren't here that week, I urge you to listen to that on scog.com or the podcast. There was all kinds of great nuggets on, how, on tools on act, how actually to reorient your fights and your arguments or discussions, if you will, into a more positive manner and something that can do a lot less harm in your marriage, but actually have these hard conversations that will lead to better things in your relationship. So please check that out. Last week was how to have fun in marriage. This was a fun message to give. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, but how to have fun physically, emotionally, and spiritually with, uh, in, your, in your relationship. And this week is how to stay pure. Next week will be how... To never give up. So those are uh, what's coming down the pipe for you. And we'll start. Uh, we're not going to be talking about uh, marriage stuff on family Sunday on, on Father's Day. Uh, just so you know, that won't have a rating. That will have like a what's ever lower than G. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's just how we're going to do. Dropped it. Um, I'm going to trip on my cap. Okay. Thank you. Um. 
I move around too much. It's break an ankle. How'd Jared fall down and break his neck? Water cap. <laughs> All right. Uh, purity. Purity, 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 purity. The Bible talks a lot about purity. It talks a lot about sexual purity. And if you look at the scripture, there's two major falling out points where the people of God, all throughout scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, they fall away from God. These two big ones are, first, money, and two, sex. And if we think about our lives today, there's two primary things that motivated us in an everyday thing. Money and sex. Just to be honest, these are two things that are pretty prevalent anytime you turn on the TV, anytime you do anything in life. Those two things are going to be there in front of you. And all throughout, this is not just a two th- uh, a United States issue of we have problems with sex and we have problems with money. This is not just our issue. This has been going on basically since time began. Noah struggled with sexual immorality. There's some crazy things in that, that if you read uh, Genesis 7 and 8, you're like, what in the world is going on here? This is one of the, one of the things that the world is struggling with is sexual immorality. Abraham struggles with sexual immorality. Lot struggles with sexual morality. Sodom and Gomorrah happened because of sexual immorality. Joseph is accused of adultery. He's dealing with sexual immorality. You guys seen a theme? I'm only 20 or 40 chapters into the Bible, and I've already talked about it seven, eight times, right? The whole book of Judges, almost the whole book of Judges, it's arguing about these gods called Ashtoreths and Baals. All right, you know what, what these, uh, these gods were about? They were fertility gods. And so the way in which you worshiped them was to practice fertility rites. They became very attractive to the Jewish people living in that land. And so whenever they're talking about, oh, so-and-so went over to the Astro, so-and-so started worshiping Baal, is what they were doing was getting away from God who had this high priority on sexual purity to defacing themselves because of, of what they're doing with these other gods. Because it was maybe fun. I don't know. It was this distraction. It was something different. And so that happened. Samson, one of the most famous judges of the whole thing. What's his problem? He's trying to sleep with a woman and that's what gets his hair cut. And that's why all these bad things happen. It's, 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 I'm not making, you know, Jerry, don't talk about these things. It's the whole Bible. It's all sexual immorality over and over and over again. Don't do this, people. David, what do we remember? The one bad thing that he does? Barry White started playing, and he couldn't control himself. That was, that was what happened. Solomon, same issue. Solomon writes a whole book of the Proverbs. He writes Proverbs. Do you know what Proverbs is for? The intended audience was for his sons. It's like, boys, this is what I learned. Don't screw it up. Men, uh, chapters four, five, and six of Proverbs, you should read about once a week, once a month, over and over again, because it's all about, guys, this is, how, this is the problem. Solomon knows he's got a thousand wives. He's got issues. There's a prophet, Hosea, who is called, his job by God is to be called to marry a prostitute. God uses that imagery of sexual immorality to depict on what the country of Israel is doing in their relationship, defaming it with this this immorality. Can you imagine that is what he is called by God to do? 
and how he loves her and how he cares for her and how he, he seeks her out and how he chases her down. But that is all throughout the scripture. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's the New Testament too. If we talk about the New Testament, you see Jesus. Where does some of the most memorable statements of Jesus, these memorable moments of Jesus is when he finds usually a woman in a place where she does not want to be sexually. And he reaches grace into her and restores her and sets her on a new path. But over and over and over again in Jesus' teaching, he finds people that are just wrecked with this. And how that is restored. And finally, when Paul is writing later in the New Testament, his letters, he's writing to a Roman world. In this Roman world, the more you get to know about Rome, the more they sound an awful lot like us. So he's writing to a, a people group who, without God in their lives, they have all kinds of different, they have brothels all over the place. They have religious brothels, and they just have brothels for fun. They have brothels and brothels and brothels. They also have, you can go to Pompeii. I I went to Pompeii when I was in college. I did not take this tour. I'm going to throw that out there. But you can actually take a pornography tour of Pompeii. The way in which they advertised for different things was they put basically nudie pictures. I just said nudie pictures in a message, Paul. I'm a little embarrassed about that, but that's okay. They put pictures all over the walls and the frescoes. And when the ash came and, and, and covered the city, when they started cleaning, they're like, holy cow, what in the world's going on around here? And they found that there's all this pornography all over the city. Now, Pompeii was like the Las Vegas of, um, of our country. So you really, I mean, there's not that much difference going on there. Um, you were inundated with this stuff. You were inundated with this, this immoral activity. And Paul writes a lot about it. Homosexuality was rampant in the Roman Empire and accepted in a lot of different ways. Does it sound like us yet or not? People having divorces, people having, going from wife to wife to wife, especially in the Roman Empire. Like, this is kind of accepted. This is how we work it. This is how we, the promiscuity that happens is, is how we move up the, the political, political chain. It might sound a little bit like us. So I think the New Testament and the Old Testament both have a lot to speak into our lives about how we deal with sexual immorality. And how do we stay pure, making purity a priority? Before we go any further, I want to center back onto what the title of this series is. From this day forward. This is important. This is important. From this day forward. Because we're going to talk about some stuff that's easy to beat us up or get mad at Jared about or get mad at ourselves about or get mad at our spouses about. But the title of the message is what? From this day forward. That we have all have stuff in our past that we may not be proud of. We fell in one way or another. We messed up in another in one way. But from this day forward, we're going to move on. And what does that look like for us? How do we make purity a priority in our future as of now? I can't change the past. I can't change my past. I can't change the fact that when internet was invented when I was 16 years old. And about a month later, everyone figured out how to put porn on it. Right? If you're older than me, you had to hide stuff under your bed and in the closet. And I'm being, you did, right? If you're my age or younger, you basically, if you searched Burger King, you started to have pornography images put in front of your face. 
Especially if you search Hardee's, you're going to have some issues. We giggle, but I'm just, I'm shooting you straight here, right? And so this affects parents. I know parents of teenagers. You're like, oh, how does this happen? How does this work? I'm thinking about my kids and how I'm going to regulate internet activity and cell phone usage and smartphone issues. It's mind boggling. The things that need to be in place on that. Not because I don't even trust my kids, but because I can be innocently searching Burger King and all of a sudden get inundated with junk. I'll be searching. I think the other day, I don't even know what I was. I was searching for like church signs. I mean, something totally appropriate for me to search. Yvonne's uh, in the other room. I go, ah, ah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what just happened. I'm sorry. This is what I searched. You can look at the history. I'm sorry. Because I want to be above reproach. And we'll, t- we'll talk about how to do that later. But there, there's this thing that's like, I, it's totally innocent. And you get yourself in a, in, a, in a pickle really quickly. And we have to be very cognizant of that, especially for our young men. Sorry, I'm getting way ahead in my message, but I'm just, I'm very passionate about this. Because I've seen how it's wrecked marriages. I've seen how it's wrecked my friends' lives. I've seen how it's distorted people's uh, images of what marriage should be and what that looks like. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed should be kept pure for God will judge the adulterer in all the sexual immoral. Ephesians 5, 3 says, but among you, there must not be even a hint, even a hint, even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because those are improper for God's holy people. Not even a what? Not even a... Now, I don't know about you, but a hint is very subtle. So I'm not talking like hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm talking even, even just a smidge. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality is pornea. I bet you can't guess what word comes from that, right? So we all jump there. Pornea must mean pornography. Okay, I don't look at pornography. I'm good. Pornea actually covers all the words of adultery, orgies, pornography, bestiality, homosexuality. It covers all the alities, all of them. It puts them on the same playing area. We as Christians, as people, oh, I don't struggle with that, so that must be less, or I don't struggle with that one, so that must be more important, right? But if it's one that we deal with, oh, well, I don't don't know, I can make the Bible, I don't don't know if I agree with the Bible there, so we're not going to really think about that one. Not even a hint of any sexual immorality. Proverbs 5, 8 says, keep a path far from her, do not go near the door of her house. Amen. This is like a long, never mind. I'm thinking of a Santana song right now. Um, Just stay away from her. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 20. Flee, flee, not eh, skirt, not get close to touching it. Flee, which means what? Run in the other direction. 
See, when I used to teach students, and I know because you guys are so much more mature and you're adults that you would never do this, but the idea was, how close to this can we get? It's like the, the fire, my kids, we have a fire pit in the backyard, and they have a healthy fear of fire right now. But I know there's going to be a time when Bowen, probably tomorrow, and Bowen's going to be like, uh, how close can I get to that fire without getting burned? See, I was three years old. I took the poker, and it had a little ash on it, and I was like, well, it's dirty. It needs to be clean. This cured me of all OCD-ness for the rest of my life. I was like, it needs to be clean. Branded myself in my hand when I was three years old. So I don't care if things are dirty now. I ain't touching it. It might burn me. Tell that to Kelly. She's going to like that one. Um, right? How close can we get without getting burned? And, and you spend a lot of time. Students are asking, well, is this and how far is too far? Whoa, 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 whoa. What does the Bible say? Don't see how close you can get to it. It says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Therefore, honor God with your body. I'm going to build a fire here on stage. I'm going to try to. Um, I think we can get it going pretty good here if I do it on the rug. And... Uh, if Jimmy would give me that lighter fluid, that'd be perfect, right? If we, just, if we just build a fire here on stage, I, I can, you yeah. know, rayon's great for fires. Uh, we can get a fire going in the right way here. Last week, we talked about fires, right? Ooh. We talked about how hard they are to keep going after a while. We talked about how sometimes we need gas starters in these times. We talked about how hard a fire is to maintain and to get going and to stay going. Ask somebody about in California about fires. They don't have little, little, little campfires outside their house every night because you will burn the state down because they're hard to contain. There's nothing wrong with a fire. Everybody loves a good fire, right? We did this um, a couple nights ago. We, just asked, we asked Kendall, said, Kendall, what do you want for dinner? We had a bunch, it was like leftover night, so whatever she said, we could make it happen. You know, you know those nights? Like we got hot dogs and sloppy joes, and there's not enough for everybody, but there's enough, you know what I'm saying? It's a, the refrigerating, cleaning out night. She goes, I want to have a campfire and have hot dogs. We're like, my girl, $1.50 for dinner. Sweet, <laughs> right? And so we're oh, let's have a, let's have, we got the thing going, got the fire going, and got it going really nice. But it's in a fire pit. It's controlled. It needs parameters. Because if I'm in California and I did that same thing, I can burn down the state. They haven't had rain in, you know, two years, it seems like. And something beautiful and gorgeous and fun to be around and something that gives you great memories and builds your relationship with your, with your kids and with your spouse. And you just, ah, oh, we love being around the fire and talking. It, it invites conversation. If you want to get a guy to talk, go light a fire. He will not talk to you any other time. You start a fire. Oh, honey. I guarantee you he will start to fire. It might take a while. The thing's got to start sparking every once in a while, but you get him to talk. It's, something, it's like a drug. I don't know what it is. But if it's not contained properly, it can be the most damaging force in the world. Destroy millions of dollars in property. So what we're going to shift to now in our making purity a priority talk is how do we put parameters around our passions. It's a lot of P's talking about today. How do we put parameters around our passions? 
Our passions need parameters. Remember, from this day forward, maybe you've burned all kinds of stuff down. Maybe if you looked at your life, you're like, yeah, I am the state of California, and I cause forest fires. I am the anti-Smokey the Bear. We're going to talk about some parameters today. Make a commitment to God's standards. Make a commitment to God's standards. What are God's standards? Flee from sexual immorality. But I like, what do you mean by that? Flee from sexual immorality. Immorality. And this one's hard. And, and we, we have a problem with this in our country right now. That if that, we look at an issue, we're like, well, Jared, I don't really agree with the Bible on that one. In my personal experience, this is true for me. And you may have heard your friends say this. You may have said it yourself. Here's the problem with that. When you do that, you make yourself God and not God God. And this is a major problem. When the Bible says something clear and we go against it, we are in the wrong, not the Bible. This is truth. This is not. When the Bible says something clear and we go against it, we are in the wrong, not the Bible. And that's true for a whole lot of things, not just sexual immorality. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, we must submit to the word of God. We're not really Christians. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to save your marriages and your souls. And in our world right now, And in the news right now, and in every aspect of us right now, it's like, oh, well, we can make excuses, and we can make excuses, and we make opinions. Well, Jared thinks this. I wouldn't even think that Jared thinks this. Jared would like to think a lot of things. But I've submitted myself to the God of the Scripture and to the truth of this Bible. And so... I don't care what Jared's opinion is. I want to know what the Bible's opinion is, what God's opinion is. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can this happen? By living according to the word, your word. We have to make commitments to God's standards. And for those of us who... Don't call ourselves Christ followers. That's really confusing to you. And you're kind of going, I don't know about this. I understand it's from this day forward, isn't it? It's from this day forward. It wasn't about yesterday. It wasn't about three years ago. It's from this day forward. I can't hold people to standards that they don't even know exist. That's like having your kid go in for a math test and they give a United States history test. You go, well, you didn't know it. You flunked. I did. What in the world is going on here? That, that, that's kind of sometimes how we spring it on people, that we never even told them what the, they, they don't even know what the test is. That's our fault as Christians. Second way we will put parameters around our passions is by managing our mind. Job 31.1. Men, 
Think about this one. Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. I made a promise with my eyes. I would write this out, plaster it all over your computer, put it everywhere you, want to, you, you put it. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. Get a label maker out, put it on your mouse, put it on your trackpad, you know, have a mouse pad made with just those, those on there. I, I don't know, whatever you need to do. I made a covenant with what? My eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. This one's hard. As I think about my uh, friends in college, what we had a huge, wonderful accountability group every Tuesday night. It was a formative time for all of us. But this kind of thing always started to arrive in our conversations. I'm struggling with this this week. I'm dealing with this this week. And we need to keep on coming back to Job. I can't get covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look at anything that a girl lustfully. This is really important for us. I think it's really important for the, our generation that has smartphones in their hands. It's really important for any generation. This was a, I was a newly married man. And one of the, you know, when you're married and you're 21, there's a lot of changes that happen in your house because girls arrive. I went shopping this week with, with Kevin at Ikea, and I did not buy anything. This is a, a small miracle. But I went shopping this week with, with Kevin at Ikea, and he was shopping for some furniture for his bedroom. And I, and I am very trained by my wife that things that you buy must fit the color palette of everything else. I have the most comfortable, wonderful, burnt, orange, smelly cat, lazy boy in the history of mankind. It is no longer in my house anymore. Do you want to know why? Starts with a K, ends with a Y. My friend Daniel with the crazy beard, he inherited it, but that's okay. His wife can throw it out whenever he gets married. But I talked to Kevin. I said, Kevin, uh, what color scheme are we going here with your, uh... I know two guys talking about color schemes. I understand. I've been trained very well by my wife, okay? What color scheme are you going here for this new piece of furniture? He's like, oh, I got some solids. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so we started working on you know, what color should we pick out there? Because there's this idea of he has, he has, you know, he's got the bachelor type pad, like, it's purple, it's gray. It kind of, okay, it works. You know, it, it's functionality over prettiness. And then you get married. And your functionality and your beautiful orange lazy boy by the curb. Tears stream down your face. I think this is why man caves were invented, just to throw all that junk. They're like, I don't want to fight. Um, Until the day Mike passed away two years ago, he was still mad about a lazy boy recliner that got thrown out of the curb while he was out of town on a business trip. It happened like 15 years ago. He was still mad about that thing. Why? Because it was his. It has nothing to do with today. It just popped in my head. Sorry, Paul. Managing your mind. What I'm saying about getting married and joining stuff with people is things change and things are different. And ladies, there's some stuff that maybe you need to do and need to know about that, uh, cause, that could cause your husband to stumble. They're not used to living with women. It's different. 
There's this thing called the Victoria's Secret catalog. It kept on coming every month. It's on the coffee table. So the whole time I'm in the living room, I'm like looking at the popcorn ceiling. And finally, I, I, like, I broke. I was like, Kel, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but could we, could we get rid of the Victoria's Secret catalog? It's just, just when I'm home, can you like, I don't know where, where you need to put that. She was like, oh, oh, oh. She threw them all away and discontinued. She had no idea that that was even, I was like, could we just, I mean, a bunch of models and their skinny clad underwear is not something I need to see. All the time. I'm trying to do good here. I'm trying to be pure with you. I'm trying to, all these things. And she had never even thought of, her, thought of it that way. Manage your mind. Think about it. Do stuff that, that will <clears throat> help you in making purity a priority. Another way in which you can manage your mind in this, there is all kinds of filters you can put on your computer. There's all kinds of filters you can put on your kids' computers. There is things called triple, from triplexchurch.com. Uh, they run a ministry that goes and tries to uh, reclaim uh, women caught in the porn industry and uh, bring them out of it. But they also provide a service in which it will set up an accountability software on your internet search. And so anytime that I go to um, blackhawks.com, I've never gone there. I just thought I'd throw a bone. Uh, so Blackhawks.com, it will, it will say, it'll send an email. Isaiah's my accountability partner. It'll send an email to Isaiah. He's not, but it'll send an email to Isaiah. He's like, oh, really? I just got promoted. Uh, send an email to Isaiah, and it'll say, Jerry went to Blackhawks.com. Now, if I do something silly, like start uh, going, it's really fun when you have college-age friends, and they start going to HGTV, and you get a report. They spent so much time at TLC.com. And this. Said, what are you doing? Uh, and they're really embarrassed by that. Uh, but you get an email report once a week, basically, of their internet activity. Just so you can have a conversation. How are you doing there, chief? Because I saw, and I saw, and I saw. And they're like, oh. But just knowing that your friend that you really trust is actually going to see that and know where you've been. Know what you've done. It does something. I would encourage you to put parameters around that. You're protecting the fire because that fire is hard to keep going by itself. How are we going to protect it so it can be the hottest burning and the most healthy fire we possibly can? Does this make sense? Manage your mind. Magnify the consequences. Magnify the consequences. Magnify the consequences. What does this mean? That means actually think through what you're doing. What does this mean? For me, I screw up in this way. I've not wrecked only my job and my marriage. I've just ruined my career. I've done big-time stuff. So I'm very cognizant of this stuff. I think you should be as well. It might not be to the scale that, that Jared's is. But I am like, when I walked into this place the very first time, I said, I need a window in my door. I still don't have my window in my door. I need my window in my door. But my door is always open. Why? Because I don't have a window in my door. It's always open. I had um, two gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful, blonde hair, blue eye, 17-year-old interns when I was a youth pastor. Everyone in Georgia knew where I was with them at all times. If I had, I, there was, the Outback, which was our youth house, was about two miles away from our offices. If I had to, on the very rare occasion, actually drive them there and I was going to be there, I'm calling Kelly on the way there. I'm going to be at the Outback with da and da da da. So da, 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 you, you know, okay. And I'm like broadcasting it. I'm screaming it. I'm like got the windows down. I'm with so-and-so. Because just even a little hint, even one, I knocked my fire down. Even one little thing ruins my life. 
If we magnify the consequences and we start thinking it out, what does it look like? Is this worth it? If I go here online, what does that mean for my marriage? What is that actually doing to my spouse? If I do this with my coworker, what is that actually doing to my life and to my spouse and to the person I, I say that I love? Think it through. Magnify the consequences. And four, I kind of already alluded to this in my last comments, but maintain proper relationships. I love that verse. Don't even go by the doorframe of her house. Just don't, don't, even, don't even go there. Maintain proper relationships. I heard a pastor say, you guys know that one night stands actually take about two weeks of preparation, right? Because you've already been thinking about how this is going to work, what's going to happen, what's, you know. Maintain proper relationships, and that's not going to be a problem. Make purity a priority. We're trying to save marriages here. Don't put yourself in a place to cheat. Change your habits. Change your job. Change where you eat. Change what you do. Your marriage is more important. There's a, a wonderful Starbucks barista that works on Sunday morning. We love this girl. She must be from southern Illinois or someone south of 80. She used y'all in a sentence, and we just fell in love immediately. Um, <laughs> so, we, but, so we've been going a couple weeks, and we've been talking and joking around with her. And, um, and all of a sudden, she fixes my, my drink, and she puts on it. She's like, there's something written on your cup for you. I was like, please don't be a phone number. I got... Starbucks is a long, I got to go to all the way down by Menards if I'm going to go to Starbucks on Sunday morning. Don't be a phone number because you work every Sunday morning. Don't be a phone number. Don't be a phone number. And it just said y'all on there. I was, I was never so happy to see y'all written on a cup. I was like, don't be a phone number because I, I'm not going to go down 59 anymore if that's what's going on. It happened because I don't want even a hint. I got to maintain proper relationships. Jared, are you, are you that prone to lust? And No, I just don't even want a hint. I don't want to taste. It's not salt to add a little spiciness to my marriage. Not even a hint. Maintain proper relationships. There's three responses you might be feeling right now to all of this. The first one might be defensiveness. And I can understand that. You're a little mad at me right now. Why is he talking about this stuff? This isn't a problem for me. This isn't any of his business. When we started this series, we talked about how to take, improve the chances of your marriage lasting a lifetime 625 times. I'm not trying to put you on a hot seat. I'm not trying to wreck your life. I'm trying to save your relationship. Next thing you might be feeling is remorse. You're just beating yourself up over the past. I want to caution you against remorse. Remorse is a tool of Satan to keep you from ever growing. Remorse is a, you should feel bad about what you've done. But when you stay there and Satan tells you you're never going to have a good relationship, your marriage is always going to fail because you ruined it and you're terrible and you're bad and you're going to be all and you're, you're, you're this, that's not the proper response either. 
This next one is repentance. This is the way you should react when faced with making purity a priority in our lives. What does repentance mean? It means turning the other way. What had I caveat this whole thing from this day forward? I can't change what's in your past. I can't change the argument you had last night. I can't change the way in which your kids acted like hellions on the way to church this morning. From this day forward, how are we going to be different? How are we going to change? This is what repentance is all about. To repent from, to turn away from. If you're doing immoral things, living with someone who's not your wife, your husband, committing adultery, addicted to pornography, repent from it today. Turn away from it today. Not even a hint in your relationship. Repentance is the way in which we we start afresh and start anew from this day forward. It's the answer to the question of how do, I, how do I go from here? We repent, we turn away from it, and we start a new kind of life by making purity a priority in our lives. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. We're going to take communion this morning. The ushers come forward to to do that. We're going to take communion this morning, and we offer open communion here at Shore Church of God. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, that he died and rose for your sins, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. But what that means is that God died on the cross to pay for all of our sins, our sexual sins as well. That by taking this and by praying with me later, that we're saying, God, I want you to cleanse me of the junk of the stuff and of my past. I want to repent of it. I want to turn away from it. I want to live a new life. As we take this communion, I also, couples, if you have kids sitting in between you guys, I would like you to maybe move and just sit next to each other and take this communion to say, I want to make purity a priority in our life. Maybe you haven't been messing up. Maybe you haven't failed in this, and that's okay, but I still want to make purity a priority in our relationship. This is a game-changing kind of moment. This is a 50-year marriage-type change moment. And we want that. We want to celebrate more 50- and 60-year anniversaries in this church. We want to celebrate lives that we know have been changed because of they've made purity a priority in their relationships. As we take this bread and as we take this grape juice, it's a symbol of Christ's blood and body broken, out for, broken and poured out for us. It is a, a symbol as we take this that we want to take all of God and all of that what he has for us. That we want to be made new in him today. And from this day forward, we want to have different kinds of relationships. From this day forward, we want to have a new kind of life with Christ. Let's pray. God, right now, as we think about this message, as we think about what you've said to us, as we think about our own lives and the mistakes we've made and the the issues that we've done, God, we want to be made pure.
And as we take these elements, God, that your forgiveness would wash over us, that your, your blood would, would make us white as snow, that you would clean us, Lord. And that from this day forward, we'd be new. And from this day forward, we would love you with a reckless abandon. From this day forward, our marriages would be stronger and better and closer. God, we love you and we praise your name. Amen.